Are you tired of losing sales? Do you wish you had proven strategies that would help you increase your sales today, not in three months? You could Google it, but Google is in the information business. And I am in the transformation business. Welcome, Welcome. to the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast, where we will share three actionable sales strategies that you can implement in your business today to increase your sales tomorrow. This includes tactics, tips, and techniques from industry experts, influencers, and sales pros to help you shorten your learning curve and increase your bottom line. The more sales strategies we simplify for you, the shorter your sales cycle and the more money in the bank. Now your host, 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 multi-award-winning sales expert and international speaker, Wesleyan Greer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Today, our guest is Lauren Holtvoit. How are you, Lauren? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for joining us. So let me give you a little bit about Lauren. Lauren Holtvoit brings a unique combination of clinical practice experience in parallel with an industry insider knowledge through a commercial lens that is geared towards successful growth opportunities within the market. Dr. Holtvoit has deep experience in fundraising, financial, clinical operations, and organizational management. She is skilled in relationship and coalition building, as well as information dissemination. With a DVM from The Ohio State University, as well as an MBA, Dr. Holtvoit possesses advanced talent in translation of macro commercial data to actionable and effective plans for a veterinary team, or more broadly, for a large organization. Dr. Holtvoit has worked with numerous animal industry corporations and is currently working with an oncology diagnostic startup. In her free time, Dr. Holtvoit also loves to run competitively. So just in that 30-second introduction, there was like so much information. A DVM, (laughs) you're a doctor, you have an MBA. So talk to us about how did you go from getting a doctorate in veterinary medicine to an MBA to where you are today? Yeah, none of it was especially planned, but really just getting in the workforce and understanding what I liked and then going for it. So I started in veterinary medicine, did vet school in a very traditional sense, wanted to go into private practice. And then within one year of private practice, after trying to rearrange and optimize the business of the practice, my boss said, you know, you should probably go to business school. You like this way more. So I took his advice, went ahead and went to business school and also joined industry at the same time. Um, So I really came to find out that while I could help, you know, 10 or 15 dogs and cats a day in clinical practice, I could help many more animals by working within the broader animal industry day to day. So I joined Royal Canin, which is a dog food company, and worked in multiple countries, which was quite a bit of fun. Um, After finishing my MBA while at that job, I moved to National Veterinary Associates, which is a big company that buys and sells veterinary hospitals all across the country. And that's where I really got my business chops of like understanding how these practices work, how they make money, what's important to both the investors that own the practices and the veterinarians. Um, From there, I moved into the startup world, if you can say, started getting my taste for uh, startups and innovation and moved to Wisdom Panel, which is the first doggy DNA test, where you can test your dog to understand what breed they are. Um, Within that role, I created 
a commercial pipeline within R&D. So I think this is a problem or an obstacle that many scientific organizations come across, which is how do we create products that are really science-based, but also speak to the general population and can actually be sold? So we worked on that to make a product that was a bit more saleable, a bit more exciting for a consumer. And that got my taste for the startup world. And ever since then, so that was a small company that was only about 40 employees within a larger corporation. And ever since then, I thought, you know, eventually I want to join a startup and I want to start my own thing. So two years later, here I am. I joined PetDX, which is an oncology-based diagnostic for dogs. And it's a very, very scientific organization, but I am the vice president of sales and commercial development for that company. And we're working to launch this summer. Mm. So you gave so many gems within there. And so I think one of the first things that I pulled out was the fact that you were a very much patient-oriented technical brain, but you realize that, hey, we have to bridge some business in here. So you said, I'm going to not only get my MBA, but at the same time, I'm going to get some really practical knowledge. And I think that when people do that, they go and they get the degree or the theoretical knowledge they need, but they actually mesh it with something that's happening in the world, in the field. It really sets them up for success. Yeah. And it's difficult. Um, I think a lot of people don't do it because that first year within this business world was extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing most of the time, but luckily was surrounded by some great mentors. And I was in an industry that I knew, but was learning very new skills within that industry. And by pushing past that discomfort, I really gained a new skill set that is invaluable for the rest of my life. So I think that's really important is going to the academic piece of it, but really putting it in action in the real world, which doesn't feel great a lot of the time, but eventually you get to mastery. And I think it's just important to be patient with ourselves as we're learning. Absolutely. And then, you know, your next trajectory in terms of where you said you were working with um, veterinary practice owners and you were you learned their business, right? What drove the investors, what their day-to-day -day operations were. And a lot of times when I see really excellent salespeople, that's what they do. They mm -hmm. learn, they know what happens within their customer's business just as well as the customer does. Yes. Yeah. And it's been pivotal in my current position where we're really entering the market with a very new and innovative product. We have to understand what the value proposition is to practice owners. It's not a um, costless opportunity. They have to put time into learning it and understanding it. So we really have to understand what speaks to them in order to get them to buy in. So how do you use that value proposition? How do you help your team understand that this value proposition is important for us to be able to sell our product. Yeah, it's really identifying the different players within each clinic. So we have the doctors who really want to do just the best medicine possible for their patients. We have the practice managers who want it to make economic sense. So they get an ROI for selling the product. And then we want the staff who want who are usually the ones talking to the pet owners and they want good options to be able to give the pet owners to feel like they're making the best care choices for their pets. So it's really for the internal team, it's educating them about each one of those groups. And we did quite a bit of customer research. Um, and then I also like to have them spend time in the clinic 
just so that they can see how everything works. Um, they can see the different personalities. I think a lot of these, just like any customer segmentation, they fall into very certain archetypes. Um, so learning those and making sure that you cater your sales pitch, if you will, to fit each one of those needs is really important. And the key to success, most practices work as a team to get the patient the fullest care that they can and that they need. And so it's important that you hit all pieces. It's not just one single decision maker within the, the team. You know, when I was uh, in sales and leading a team, I would always say, you have to get your hands dirty, right? And so in my world, that would be, that's kind of like in the chemical world. And so yeah. I would say, I'll put my hard hat and steel toe boots on, so you should too. And it's the best way, because like you said, within any organization, there are multiple players. And so the person who's using the product or the service you're selling is not necessarily the decision maker, right? Yeah. And so getting the buy-in all the way up and down that supply chain and really understanding like, oh, when they say this, this is actually what they need. When they have a patient that's doing this, this is what the outcome is. Again, really understanding your customer journey what happens within their organization better than they understand it so you can predict those things Absolutely. so how has that what you instituted within your team how has that helped set you up for success in this upcoming launch well it's really been understanding the market so veterinarians are very relationship based um, they're typically skeptics i would mm -hmm. say as most scientists are so it was really the commercial development piece more than the sales. So I'd say that veterinarians are relatively easy to sell on products if you have the foundation made for them to understand it. So for us, that was a very robust scientific strategy around publication, around education, um, and building that foundation. Because as soon as they understand that it's scientifically validated, the value proposition within the clinic to providing better care is clear and they'll use it, but they won't use it until that foundational work is done on scientific validation. So a lot of our commercial development was really that, like putting all of the pieces down, which can take long. And a lot of companies don't invest in that because it's R&D expense, right? You know, there's not a lot of ROI, at least initially for R&D expense. So we put a lot of investment in creating a landing point for veterinarians to understand the science, understand that we're legitimate scientists. And then for me, my job is a lot easier because I can go in and show them all of the work that we've done and then pitch the value proposition. And most of them will say, oh, that's awesome. Okay, sign me up. But it's, mm. it sounds really easy at that point, at that sales point, but it was, you know, a year and a half, almost two years of work of setting the foundation so that sales point can be easy. and. It takes patience and strategy, but we're, we're working to it. We're almost there. <laughs> and, you know, I think that the key is you met your, your clients where they were, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not interested in the glitz and the glam and the fancy or the, you know, is it faster? Is it cheaper? Is it better? It's like, I need to know that there's science behind this, right? And when you're selling into a technical domain, that's what the buyer wants, but, you know, there's always that balance of, yes, they need the science, but they don't need too much. And mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of um, companies that are in this technical realm fail. They think so scientific and so R&D and so, you know, they, they're very singular focused. And so they give too much 
And then it becomes overwhelming. And then the client doesn't know how to peel back the onion and figure out, well, this is the piece that I actually need. So how did you balance that through your year and a half journey of ensuring you gave them the right information, but not too much? That is such a good point. Yes, that's, I think the constant conflict um, that defines my career is <laughs> bridging this science and sales gap or marketing gap, because you're right, most people don't want all of the details that we can give them, but they do need to be able to consume it in a way that they can understand quickly and that they can validate quickly. So I will say that it's been a lot of conversation between the scientists and, and me understanding the technology, understanding what um, I can derive from that technology to help veterinarians understand it. Of course, you always have people who are like, let's learn more, let's dig in more. But it's really understanding who your audience is. So we have on one hand, oncologists, so veterinary oncologists who are very, very science oriented, and you have to cater your message to them to go really deep dive into the science because they're interested in it. Um, your general practitioner is interested in the science, but definitely wants a different message, a little bit more diluted message that they can then talk to clients about. That's eventually what they want, enough understanding that they can talk to clients about it who aren't usually scientifically oriented. So it's been a lot of iteration of our messaging, a lot of iteration of our marketing and advertising message. It's been a lot of back and forth between the science team and that constant push-pull mm -hmm. of add more in. No, we have to take it out. We have to make it yeah. simpler. But I think that is part of the fun and being able to sit between, sit on the fence between the science and marketing team and kind of translate back and forth. So in terms of, since your product is, so up to this point, you've done a lot of work getting your product ready for market. So when you started to build out your team or the team of people that um, were working with you, what were you looking for in that team? Oh, from a startup perspective, I'm looking for, at least initially, people who are somewhat familiar with the industry or who are really hungry to learn. And then the other thing that I'm always looking for is just pure grit. I want people to be able to problem solve with limited resources. I want them to be creative, to really just get things done. I find that sometimes, I used to think everyone was like this, but it turns out they're not. <laughs> I love when people come up with maybe not the best solution, but it's one that does the job and moves us to the next step. I think early in my career, I was really focused on being perfect and um, mm -hmm. having the perfect everything to move to the next step. But in the startup world, we have to move fast. And so it's really important to be gritty and make sure you have a solution that works and gets you to the next step without compromise compromising anything else, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that actually lends us to some really creative ideas. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Gritty. That is the one of the defining characteristics that I like to look for in somebody who is going to be customer facing, whether they're business development or inside sales or field sales, because I mean, it's hard. This is, this is a hard job. You're going to get knocked down. What you thought was going to work isn't going to work. You might have to rinse and repeat and go back to the beginning. So what would you say is the single piece of advice that you would give somebody who is in your position? So somebody who is taking a product that is very technical and they're at the point where they're ready to go to market, but they're trying to get all the pieces together. I would just say, don't ignore the customer. We have 
a lot of communication with our customers or people who are in that role. And we check in with them very, very often. I think like you were discussing, it's a fine line between too much information and not enough. And so we've done a ton of testing just to understand if we get it right. The second piece of advice I would say is don't be afraid to pivot. Sometimes you do everything you can to do all the research and you still get it wrong. And that's perfectly fine. But pivot quickly, be agile and like you said, gritty so that you can pick it up and move on to the next thing to get you further than you were before. I I think my biggest learning, like I said, was just perfectionism is not necessary. Um, It's really just learning, growing every step of the way. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And so because, you know, I'm I'm a salesperson and I always like to talk about um, success stories. So tell us a success story, whether it's a customer success story, um, an employee that was an underdog. Give us one of your greatest successes. Hmm, Greatest successes. I would have to say just this company as a whole. Uh, It's still in progress, but I think we're making, we will be successful. I started as the fifth or sixth employee and we were renting out basically a walk-in closet from another company. (laughs) And now we have over 30 full-time employees as well as 30 contractors in about a year and a half. I never in my wildest dreams thought we would grow this fast. We have closed, well, we've closed one funding round and one bridge round. Uh, So I've have previously not been involved in the investment process and just seeing the success of others who just have pets and are passionate about it and really buy into the value we're bringing to the industry along with a few other corporate partners has been absolutely inspiring and encouraging. Um, And I feel like that's when I felt the most success is when outsiders are not only willing to buy in, but to put in quite a bit of money and backing of us um, Mm. that investment and um, fundraising process has been absolutely eye-opening to me, but exciting. And let's talk about like not getting knocked down quite a bit. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) And and, you know, I think when you're in that um, investment and fundraising um, phase of your business, the wins are somebody else believes in my vision. Mm -hmm. Somebody else believes that this thought, this thing that we've been working on is worth it and they want to invest in us, right? And so I think a lot of times as business owners, as salespeople, we always are thinking about the purchase order or the closed deal, but there are other ways to um, count your successes. Yes. And hopefully we have many purchase orders here coming soon as we're uh, getting ready. So more to come on that line of success. So hopefully- I love it. So what is the one best way for people to get in contact with you? Definitely through LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Uh, You can find me pretty easily there. I love to hear from people. So feel free to reach out. I usually respond pretty quickly. So I'm excited to connect with people. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Holt White, for walking us through your journey of your career, going from a veterinarian to now in process about to launch your product. This is very, very exciting. I know these are exciting times for you and I know they're great things to come. So thanks so much for being a guest today. Thank you so much for having me. It was tons of fun. Awesome. And that is another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Be sure to share this episode, like, and leave us a review. 
And remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.